Good afternoon, everyone. And welcome to today's Meet the Artist interview, presented by the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. Today is Sunday, May 5th, 2013, and we are in the War Memorial Opera House before a matinee performance of Program 8 of San Francisco Ballet's 2013 repertory season, Christopher Wielden's Cinderella. This program will also be podcast on our website, sfballet.org, where you can find a lot of other interesting material, interviews, videos, um, bios, um, in case you want to learn more. My name is Jennifer Kavakovich. I'm the board relations manager at San Francisco Ballet. And it's my pleasure today to inter- uh, interview the choreographer of today's performance, Christopher Wielden. Formerly a dancer with the Royal Ballet in England and with the New York City Ballet, today he is one of the most sought-after choreographers in ballet and beyond. You've done Broadway and film and opera. Did I miss anything? Sesame Street. (laughs) One of my finest moments, actually. I love that moment. Choreographing for Elmo and Big Bird. What can I say? Can this be seen online? Um, possibly. I, well, I will I'm have to sure. check for that. And the count. The count. Oh. Choreograph for the count as well. That was great fun. Wow. Well, uh, you've choreographed, actually, you have quite a long relationship with San Francisco Ballet. Um, your first ballet with us here, I think, was right when you started a, to pursue a choreographic career full-time. Yes, it was. It was a ballet called Sea uh, Pictures to um, uh, um, the same, um, the music of the same name by uh, Edward Elgar. And um, it was part of a, um, a program of, of uh, I, th- I believe it was six new works. And um, I'd sent a video to Helgi a couple of years prior um, and hadn't really heard anything back. So I thought, well, maybe I don't really have a future in San Francisco. <laughs> and, um, you know, as, as are most ballet directors, um, overwhelmed by the many things that they have to do, it, it took him a while to get around to seeing my, my tape. But um, he, he did, in fact, give me one of my first opportunities to choreograph in this country. Um, I think it was probably my third professional work here um, after uh, the Colorado Ballet. I made a Midsummer Night Stream there. That was my first um, professional job as a choreographer in America. And then, um, and then the New York City Ballet Diamond Project. Um, and so this was my third, my third shot. Well, and since then, this is your eighth work with our company, and I think we have 12 of your ballets in our repertory. Yes, yeah. I don't think yeah. a season has gone by uh, without a Christopher Wilden ballet on our, on our program. It's been, it's been wonderful. I mean, really, San Francisco is kind of a second home for me. Um, and, uh, and to have had the opportunity also to see uh, now um, a decade of dancers uh, go up through sort of the the Col de ballet ranks and um, and seeing them sort of develop into the into the stars of the company has been has been wonderful and having that sort of relationship as well you know a production like this really benefits from um, a, a close uh, relationship uh, choreographer dancer relationship and um, and I, so I certainly feel at home here working with these dancers and is it special that this is your first full length with us absolutely I mean um, Helgi and I have chatted over the years about the possibility of a, of a full-length ballet, and, and uh, I think it's been 30 years since uh, since San Francisco Ballet or Ballet in San Francisco has seen um, has uh, has had a Cinderella. So um, it seemed, you know, the right time for Cinderella here. Um, a score that I've loved since I was um, a, a young dancer in the Royal Ballet. I danced in the great Sir Frederick Ashton production, 
um, as a cobbler and a courtier. And, um, and so it's a score that I've admired. And I was asked, actually, to choreograph it for the Bolshoi Ballet about eight years ago and didn't really at that time feel quite ready to... Um, to go to Mother Russia and tackle <laughs> this great Prokofiev score. Um, so, uh, so, but now this, the time has felt right, and, and um, it's been, yeah, it's been a wonderful co- collaboration between the Dutch National Ballet and the San Francisco Ballet. Um, quite, uh, quite a project, really, choreographing in two cities with such a distance between them. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about that, because, um, you know, co-productions, they're not at all uncommon in the opera world, but for ballet, it's, it's relatively new, um, where two companies would share the expense of pre- creating the new um, uh, sets and costumes and, and all of that, but you also chose to choreograph between the two companies. Yeah, I'm, I mean, a, co- a, a co-production, really, for the choreographer, you know, for the company itself, it's sort of, it's half the budget. For the choreographer, it's double the pressure because you have two, you have two ballet companies, you know, with uh, high hopes. Um, and uh, Alice in Wonderland, which I choreographed for the Royal Ballet a few years ago, um, was a was a co-production with the National Ballet of Canada, and you know it was it was very successful and it worked well, very well for both companies. Um, they they're quite simpatico in a way. Um, the the sort of the tradition of the of the um, of the dance drama in both companies is very strong. Um, but you know, with a with most co-productions, you create the work in one place and then the second um, producer then takes the, takes the production and the dancers learn the production and it's put up, you know, um, as an existing work. And I thought that it might be fun as I'm developing a relationship with the Dutch National Ballet and the dancers there, and of course I love the dancers here, um, I thought it would be sort of fascinating to, to see how they would respond to having some of the work created here and some of the work created there. Um, it's, a, it's a gift for a dancer. I remember myself, it's a great gift to have a role created for you. And so we wanted to try and make this, um, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a co-production, a collaboration in, in a true sense. Um, and, you know, logistically it was difficult because I created, I came here in August and I made most of Act Two, I had a, quite a, a clear plan of what I was going to do. We, we, we choreographed most of Act Two in the summer. Um, some of the, du- of the Dutch dancers, two couples came over, and we started to play around with some of the material from Act Three with them. And they were in on the process while I was making the work with these guys. And then I went to Amsterdam in October. The premiere was in December. And so I spent you know, a, a couple of months in, in Amsterdam Lovely place to spend some time, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing quite like um, walking out of your front door to the canals every morning. Um, Quite inspiring, actually. So so it was a a really interesting time. Um, Maria Kochikova and Joan Boada and Lou Kingham and Francis Chung came over. They spent three weeks with us over there, too. So they sort of saw final stage rehearsals and got to be in rehearsal. Um, And then, you know, there was the great task of teaching them what we created here and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it, logistically, it was quite complicated, but it was, really, it was really interesting, and it, was really, it created a nice sort of um, cultural exchange between the two companies, and um, I think it worked out really well. So let's talk a little bit about the story uh, that you present in this version of Cinderella. Um, now, I understand that you went back to many sources uh, to 
look at different versions and find perhaps some inspiration. What was important to you for your telling of this story? Well, I've, I've always loved the, um, the Brothers Grimm version of the tale. Um, it's, it's a little bit darker than the, than the French fairy tale by Perrault. Um, and so there were certainly some elements there that, uh, that I wanted to sort of explore. Um, I love the Frederick Ashton version of Cinderella, and um, I, I, I knew that if I was going to tackle Cinderella that I needed to sort of find my own way in. Um, and, you know, Ashton followed the score very faithfully, as was written. You know, Prokofiev wrote it based on the Perrault fairy tale, and that's, uh, and that's what Sir Fred did. Um, so, for me, it was, it was really more of a, of, um, uh, of a challenge, really, to find how I might like to tell the story of Cinderella and stay as true to the score as I possibly could, to the order, running order. I mean, there were a few... Um, uh, a few uh, sort of unusual placements of the music. Um, I spent quite a lot of time with uh, Emano Florio, the musical director in Holland, and also with Martin West here, t- talking through that and um, and uh, and pulling more elements from the Brothers Grimm tale. So no fairy godmother, no pumpkin. Um, uh, uh, Cinderella. There's a lovely moment actually in the in the Grimm tale when. Uh, Cinderella's father has remarried and he, he says to the three girls um, to Cinderella and the two sisters you know I'm off to town what would you like and you know the two spoiled sisters say one of them says well daddy you know fine jewels and the other sister says something delicious to eat and um, Cinderella says uh, father just just uh, bring me something back that you find on the way and he he brings her um, a, 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 a branch of a tree and she plants it and it grows into this beautiful tree. And the tree then manifests the magic. It delivers the, her dress and the birds fly up into the tree. And, and, and I, I liked the sort of uh, the, um, the, the idea that the magic would, would, uh, would, come, from, would come from nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so the tree is the fairy godmother, in essence, in this in this production. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also introduce um, the characters of the fates. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Well, they they sort of um, they guide Cinderella through the story. They they represent death at the at the beginning. They are um, they are the the spirit of Cinderella's mother. They watch over her and. Um, uh, they, they bring her in the end to the ball, and and uh, and and, uh, and they're also sort of a part a part of the of the magic of the tree. Um, they're they're sort of phantom spirits that uh, that work their way through uh, through the production. Um, and uh, it's, it was also, you know, on a, in a practical sense, it was, it's, it was a way to give four leading male dancers in the company um, a role in this production. Um, so, you know, try to think of the guys. <laughs> give them something to dance. Well, and there's another uh, male character that you've added, I think, a, a friend of the prince? Yes. Well, of course, in the British pantomime tradition, you know, in the, in the pantos, there's always Dandini, who's the, the prince's friend. And, um, again, another opportunity to give, uh, you know, to give one of the, one of the soloists a nice role. Yeah. And in the Ashton production, also following the pantomime tradition, usually the stepsisters are played by men. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you chose not to do the, the travesty thing. Well, it's done so brilliantly in the Ashton version. And, you know, and in the, in the tale, of course, they're, they're, they're contemporaries of Cinderella. They're two 
two girls the same age, and um, yeah, so I chose not to uh, not not to do the uh, the um, the drag version. Uh, it's so it's so brilliantly uh, realised in the Ashton production, and um, I don't know if you. There's a wonderful old film of of Sir Fred and Robert Heltman actually playing the, the stepsisters. Um, so uh, yeah, that's <laughs> it's a signature of that of that version. Mm-hmm. Um- so you had a really wonderful group of collaborators for this production. Um, is that how you usually like to work, or is that unique to this you know, full-length narrative storytelling? Um, I, I like to work that way. Um, you know, they're all, they all bring a, a great deal to the table, and um, I worked in this case with, um, with a, a screenwriter and playwright, Craig Lucas, who's um, written some very successful plays that have, um, and movies, um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's great to have, to bring in a mind who really understands the, 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 the theatrical arc of a story and character development. And, um, you know, this is only my second, well, I, it's actually my fifth full-length ballet, but um, because, it, because uh, this is obviously reconceived, it really feels like a new ballet. Um, uh, it's not as one lake, it's not a sleeping beauty. Um, and so... Uh, Having someone with that kind of experience to to you know riff around with and um, and exchange ideas is is really useful and um, and similarly uh, Julian Crouch who's designed the production uh, he's um, this is his first ballet he's he's designed many operas um, and and theatre in London and musicals on Broadway and uh, so we worked really closely as a team, you know, right from the beginning, developing the, the story together with the designer and sort of um, having a great time, time sitting around my din- dining table, sort of imagining and playing with, um, you know, how do, we, how do we transform Cinderella? How do we um, create the, the magic of her coach and her departure for the ball from, from a tree? Mm. Um, and... Um, so it was a great journey, and, and I know Julian had a wonderful time cause, because you know, the, the experience of actually designing for dance is very different, obviously, from theatre and opera because the fabrics have to be lightweight, um, yet still, you know, in the ball scene, convey period and be sumptuous and have that full, you know, luxurious feeling of the court. But um, having, you know to also understand that they have to be flexible and lightweight and, um, and durable because productions like this have many performances. So he spent a long time working on um, developing the costumes in the workshop in Amsterdam with the head of the wardrobe there. And, um, and uh, I think there'll be many more ballets in his future. I think he really enjoyed the, the challenge of figuring out the mechanics of, of dance costuming. For those of you who've just joined us, I'm interviewing Christopher Wielden, the choreographer of Cinderella. Um, actually, speaking of that and, and the costumes, um, I, I'd spoken with uh, Oliver Holler, the head of costume at Dutch National Ballet, and he talked about sort of the mix of these traditional techniques and, and high t- uh, high-tech fabrics and things like that. And, and actually, that's something I've noticed in your production, where there's a nice mix of the high and low tech in creating the magic on stage. Um, I'm thinking of the of the the puppetry and mm-hmm. the um, the work that uh, Basil twisted for you. Can you talk a little bit about that and that your choice to to go that way? Well, I think you know often the the most magical 
um, effects or transformations on stage are often the simplest and um, uh, the most difficult to execute, actually. And they involve um, really uh, creating magic using bodies and using, um, using movement and obviously also, you know, in this case props like branches and but you know we had a great great time Basil and I in the studio upstairs with you know giant cardboard boxes and a step ladder and a high powered fan and a giant piece of silk and um, you know there was about well, probably three or four day development developmental periods um, I was working in one room on the choreography and Basil was in the other room cutting out shapes and he'd come in and he'd say Chris come back see what you know see how this is how this looks you know is this what you're thinking and so we'd go in and uh, you know he'd have made he, he'd made a, a sort of horse head out of a cardboard box which I stuck on my head and you know and uh, Jackie my assistant got up on the stepladder and one of the one of his guys was was uh, playing with the silk and you know we we really um, spent some time playing like children (laughs) (laughs) Um, and uh, I think what he's done is is absolutely marvelous and and really is very true to my original idea Um, uh, yeah, it was it's it was it was really a, a true period of invention. We had uh, we had a great time, sort of having a little puppet laboratory in, <laughs> in the next studio. Now, is that something that's unique to when you're doing a full length with a, a very full production versus perhaps a, a third of an evening work where it might be a little more spare? Is, is that just a function of the the kind of the work, or well, it's a function of this story. You don't come you come to Cinderella hoping for magic, right. and. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's finding ways to, uh, without having a great deal of animatronics and spending a lot of money on, ma- you know, big pieces of, of truck scenery, um, much of what you see in Cinderella, it's a very sumptuous production, but it's a very fluid production, and it's actually quite lightweight. The complexity is, in, is, in, is created by the people, not really by, by the mechanics of the theatre. Um, very seamless transitions or um, uh, pieces that are moved by the dancers, the puppetry, which is all achieved you know, through movement by the dancers. Um, and I think that's, in the end, what, what makes us you know, collectively gasp when we know, when you can almost see that it's being, um, it's being created in front of your, in front of your eyes by, by very talented people, as opposed to you know, sitting on a little cart and going through It's a Small World at Disneyland, which is also wonderful, mm-hmm. but, um, but it's, uh, it's, that, it's the magic of theatre. You know, that's why we come and, and we're transported, because we know that it's people like us that are actually up there, you know, doing all of that. So you mentioned uh, Alice in Wonderland, which you did uh, in 2011, and you have another full length coming up soon. And I think with Alice, you had broken kind of a streak at the Royal Ballet of not having a new, brand new full length. And now here you are uh, doing three in a row, not all with Royal Ballet, but is this um, a new direction that you're going in, or is this sort of the stars are aligning with these companies? I'm just really excited about storytelling in dance again, and I think I was really terrified of it for years. You know, I I grew up, um, cut my teeth on choreography at the New York City Ballet in in the very spare, um, um, minimal world of Balanchine, and, I mean, they were great, great lessons, and, um, uh, and of course, the... the, the, the 
learning how to structure a work, um, actually experiencing the musicality of a Balanchine ballet from within as a dancer is a great lesson for a choreographer. Um, and, um, but my tradition, you know, I grew up, my heritage is the Royal Ballet, and, um, and I've always loved uh, storytelling through dance and the works of Ashton and the works of Macmillan. And, and, but, but I, yeah, I just, you know, I, I started my career and, and uh, started to achieve some success with, with my abstract ballets, and that's kind of what I thought I knew, and and storytelling frightened me a little bit. So having actually bitten the bullet and done Alice and now Cinderella, it's, uh, it's something that I'm really, really enjoying. And, and that's not to say that I, I, I don't still love just getting into a room with, with a group of dancers and making an abstract work to a wonderful piece of music. Um, I, I hope that there's room for both in, in, in my future. Well, we do too. <laughs> uh, and before I turn it over to questions from the audience, um, I do want to ask you, I think you've been in town uh, working with our students as well. Yes, right? yeah, I have, yes. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, the, um, the school for their student showcase are, are going to be dancing a ballet of mine called uh, Dance Bohemienne, which is uh, music by uh, Ravel and Debussy. And uh, they learnt... Uh, um, one of my assistants from New York came out and taught the ballet because I'm really dreadful at teaching my own work. Um, it's sort of, once it's out, it's out. And uh, relearning is not something that I'm very good at. So I'm lucky I have a couple of really fantastic people who take care of that for me and then I can come in and, and, um, and help them once it's, once it's set. So I spent uh, three or four uh, rehearsals uh, while, during the Cinderella process actually working with the kids and getting them ready for their, for their showcase. And it's so great to be in the studio with with uh, those top-level students because they're just on the cusp. You know, they're still, uh, still um, unaware of really how to perform because they've spent so much time in the classroom. But you see the, you know, the, the, the talent, the blossoming talent. And so uh, being able to sort of be a guide in that final process is always exciting. And I have made quite a few ballets for students at School of American Ballet and the Royal Ballet School. Um, but it's been a while since I've worked with, uh, worked with the kids, so it was, it was really great fun. It was, it was a nice rest, actually, from, you know, from the adults upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have just a few minutes for some questions from the audience. I see a hand right there. Uh, the question is, are there any other Grimm stories that uh, inspire you? You mean the Brothers Grimm, right? Not just Grimm tales. Because <laughs> I've got lots of Grimm tales. Um, <laughs> well, I, you know, they're, they're all kind of wonderful. Um, you know, I've, I've always been a big fan of the, the Stephen Sondheim show, Into the Woods. Um, and I love how all of those fairy tales kind of clash and come together in, in, that, in that story. Um, None that are on the cards at the moment, but, um, but who knows. I've been spending a lot of time with Cinderella, so I'm going to be stepping out of the fairy tale realm for a little bit. Um, the new ballet for the Royal Ballet is actually a um, uh, full-length version of A Winter's Tale by Shakespeare, so it'll be you know, different territory.
so the question is about how did you um, show the prince's character development in the ballet? Well, you know, actually, that, I'm, I'm happy you asked that question because often Cinderella, in Cinderella, um, well, in the, the, uh, the Disney version of, uh, um, film version, cartoon version of Cinderella, and, and in, in ballet productions from the past, the prince kind of shows up as the handsome prince of the ball. Um, and, I, you know, I wanted them to... I wanted their characters to sort of have a little bit more of a balance in this tale. And um, so there's, there's some backstory. We see Cinderella um, uh, losing her mother at the beginning and uh, being introduced to her new family. Um, and at the same time, we see the prince sort of growing up as a... Um, you know, he's a lad. He's sort of... I like to... I told the dancers, I think he's more Prince Harry than William. You know, he's... <laughs> He's naughty, and he just wants to be a guy, and he actually wants to... I'm very much like, the, you know, our modern princes. They want to be normal guys, and they, um, they want to fall in love for love and not for, you know, political gain or, um, um, or you know, for, um, from the wishes of their parents. So, so that was sort of fun to, to play with balancing them out and seeing them develop together so that when they actually come together, and they come together quite early in the ballet, they meet early on, they meet in the first act, um, the prince comes to uh, Cinderella's kitchen incognito because he, he wants to, you know, um, he wants to see these women that he has to inv- invite to his bride-finding ball um, as, as, as women. So he decides to, uh, to dress up and... Um, and, uh, and play a game with his friend Benjamin, who comes to the kitchen as the prince, just to see how this family might react. Um, so that was actually a, a, a great deal of fun and, uh, and was another way for me to sort of come into the story in a slightly different way. Well, I'm afraid that's all the time we have for today. Uh, but thank you, Christopher Wielden, for being our guest today. Thank you. Thank you.